if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And thank you so much for joining us as we get underway at six minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 26th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021. Big day today. Coming up in a half an hour, we're going to talk with Tony George, Cleveland area restaurateur, very well known, owner of the Harry Buffalo franchises. And uh, he's going to talk to us about what the potential $15 minimum wage, which is the push that Joe Biden, in fact, Joe Biden signed an executive order on that uh, for federal uh, jobs, $15 minimum wage. It doesn't necessarily apply to every state, but this is going to put pressure on states to do the same. What would a $15 minimum wage do to businesses, particularly businesses like restaurants? And the answer to that question is, is it would devastate them. That's just short answer is it would absolutely devastate them. Uh, one Ohio business owner has actually said uh, that if uh, there is a $15 minimum wage in this state, that he would have to lay off a bunch of employees and he would have to raise his prices just to break even. Forget about making a profit. A guy who owns three pizza businesses says uh, a $12 pizza would grow to a $19 pizza. And then people won't be able to afford that $19 pizza, and I'll sell less pizzas. And then, essentially, his business would go under. So that is uh, what one business owner in Ohio had to say. I wanted to reach out to my go-to business guy, uh, Tony, uh, when it comes to restaurants. Uh, Tony George will be joining us at 935 to talk about that. Then at 1010, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's Kersenau Day. Peter Kersenau will be by with his thoughts on pretty much anything and everything from the ridiculous article of impeachment delivered last night to uh, what we are starting with this morning. I am starting with the coronavirus this morning from a variety of different angles, and I, and I want to share all of this information with you. Um, Joe Biden campaigned, which you'll recall because it wasn't that long ago, on the notion that Donald Trump had no plan on how to deal with the coronavirus and his inaction on the coronavirus caused hundreds of thousands of people to die. He said if he wins the presidency, he would crush, these were his words, I'll crush the coronavirus. He knows how to do it. Now, I said at the time, something that you probably thought as well, 
that if Joe Biden actually knew how to crush the coronavirus and won't tell anybody until he's president, then he's got the blood of hundreds of thousands of people on his hands. If you've got the answer to how to crush a virus that's killing people and you sit on it until you become president, then you are the worst human being maybe in the history of ever because you are allowing people to die until you can use your knowledge on how to crush this virus uh, as a political weapon so that you can use this as president of the United States. Now, I knew I was safe in saying such a thing because he doesn't have any idea how to crush the coronavirus. As a matter of fact, his executive order that he signed on day one on crushing the coronavirus was just do what Trump is doing. Now, he didn't put it in those words, just do what Trump was doing. But his order was the same thing that Trump was doing. His order was mask, lockdown, social distance, vaccine. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed one. Test. Test, mask, lockdown, distance, and vaccine. That That's his order. That's his, I'm going to crush the virus. Well, testing ramped up exponentially month after month after month after month after month after month under President Trump. Social distance orders were given in states all over the country, masking mandates all over the country. Um, obviously lockdowns and curfews in place in all various parts all over the country. And yes, um, pushing the vaccine that only became available because of the uh, Operation Warp Speed spearheaded by President Trump and his administration. So Biden came in saying, basically, I'm going to do what Donald Trump didn't do. I'm going to crush the vaccine. And here's how I'm going to do it by doing what Donald Trump was doing. So aside from his just obvious dishonesty and his stupidity aside from that now he is speaking out and he is essentially admitting that he's got nothing he's got nothing joe biden is drawing backlash for providing a pessimistic view of his administration's ability to combat the coronavirus pandemic in the near future Biden's campaign featured harsh harsh criticisms of former President Trump's approach to COVID-19 and his first speech as president-elect. He said his administration's work begins with getting COVID under control. However, on Friday, he admitted and indicated that the trajectory of the pandemic cannot be changed in the coming months, no matter what any Americans do. How about that? Who's been saying that for the duration of this thing? You can't legislate a virus to go away. And stealing and taking and removing people's personal liberties is also not going to make a virus go away. If we fail to act, Biden said, there will be a wave of evictions and foreclosures. He's talking about failing to act on the stimulus. In the coming months, as this pandemic rages on, because there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. Quoting once again Joe Biden, there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. The idea that nothing will change is a very big change 
from his campaign promise to crush the virus. Even Justin Amash, libertarian from Michigan, former representative from Michigan, said, haven't we been told for months that restrictions and mandates were necessary to change the trajectory? I thought Joe Biden had this plan. Fox News contributor Jason Chaffetz, former representative from Utah, said, already giving up. Banner headlines in all major media outlets? Nope. Most will bury this, but it's a stunning admission. Biden says nothing we can do to change the pandemic trajectory. And this is true. Can you imagine if President Trump was still president and he went to the media and said, there's nothing we can do? It's hopeless. Just keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep uh, testing and we'll keep um, tracing and we'll keep masking. We'll keep distancing. But at the end of the day, there's nothing we can really do to change the trajectory of this. Admitting that none of it works. What would the left do? What would CNN do? They'd probably impeach him again. And saying that he's surrendering hundreds of thousands or millions of lives by not doing anything. Joe Biden said it, and you didn't hear about it. National Review's David Harsanyi said, uh, there's nothing we, uh, nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months is the exact opposite of what Biden said for his entire campaign. On Sunday... Biden's nominee for Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra, tried to clarify and rescue the mumble-mouthed president, saying, quote, I believe President Biden made it very clear. The plane is in a nosedive, and we got to pull it up, and you're not going to do that overnight. <laughs> but we're going to pull it up. We have to pull it up. Failure's not an option here, and so we will. Okay, how? And the answer is, Joe Biden admitted it. We got nothing. We've got nothing. And this is the guy who literally probably, and again, let's not get into the obvious here, because I still believe that the election was fraudulently stolen uh, in a billion different ways in very important states. Having said that, this guy probably won the election and was close enough to be stolen with manipulation. Uh, in large part because of COVID-19, because they tried to lay the blood of or put the blood of you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans uh, at Donald Trump's feet. Oh, we got to get a different approach to COVID-19. This isn't working. President Trump isn't trusting Dr. Fauci. He's not trusting the science. Really? Let's talk about Dr. Fauci a little bit more. Dr. Fauci is out with a new idea. He's got something. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't have anything on how to change the trajectory of this pandemic. But Dr. Anthony Fauci, the chief medical advisor, he's got an idea. He gave it yesterday in in an appearance on the Today Show. I didn't see it until after the show yesterday. I would have told you yesterday. But he told Savannah Guthrie that the answer, are you ready for this? It isn't masking. No, no, masks aren't the answer, Dr. Fauci said. It's double masking. You, you got to wear two, you see. You, 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 you got to wear two. That's what you got to do. See, one mask isn't enough to keep those pesky coronavirus droplets out of your face and out of your mouth or stop it from projecting from your face and your mouth. So let's double it up. Put on two masks now. Now, If I read this to you and told you it was a script from Saturday Night Live in which they were lampooning uh, Dr. Fauci, you probably wouldn't believe it because it's too stupid. 
to put on Saturday Night Live. Instead, Dr. Fauci said it for real. We're not making this stuff up. This guy literally says that the answer now is two masks. Quote, Wearing t- uh, a lot of people are now uh, hearing about double masking, wearing two masks, or trying to get one of those N95 medical grade masks. Do you believe? Th- oh, I'm sorry. This is Guthrie. I beg your pardon. This is the Guthrie question. Do you believe that's advisable? It makes a difference. Fauci's response: You know, it likely does. I mean, this is a physical covering to prevent droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer and you put another layer on it, it just makes common sense that it would be more effective. And that's the reason why you see people double masking or doing a version of N95. Uh, I would like for somebody to show me anybody who's double masking out of the gate on their own, number one. And number two, I want to know if this guy has any, this, this physician, Dr. Fauci, a physician, who earns 500000 of your tax dollars per year to give advice like this, I wonder if he knows that carbon dioxide is poison. Because strapping two of those diapers over your face is going to trap all of your carbon dioxide. It's already trapping enough of it, but it's going to trap all of it inside that mask and force you to inhale it again and again and again. I wonder if this physician who makes 500000 of your tax dollars a year knows that breathing in and inhaling oxygen is kind of important when it comes to surviving. Put double masks on? That's your answer? Are you serious right now? And remember, this is the same guy who early in the pandemic dismissed the need for masking at all, saying people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask, he said in 60 Minutes, or in a 60 Minutes interview in March. In fact, he said wearing a mask may provide more psychological relief than actual protection from the Wuhan virus. Wearing a mask, he said, might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. And then he said, often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. Now, he, in fact, not now, since then he reversed his position and said, masking absolutely must be done. It's the only way to save people's lives and to stop this pandemic, masking. Except for what we found out is that it doesn't stop squat. If anything, and that's a capital I-F, if anything, masking has cut down the rate of influenza transmission. Because we went from 60,000 cases of flu to about 1,000 this flu season. Which means that either A, anybody with the flu is just being diagnosed with COVID, because the numbers are what they continue to shoot for, or at least they did during the Trump administration. Now they're going to try to lower them. But either A, they're counting flu as COVID because they're very similar in symptoms. They're both respiratory diseases, or viruses, rather. Or, number two, the masks actually do work at keeping out flu because there's only a 1,000 cases, but they are useless against COVID, which continues to spike. 
And now here comes the same doctor who said, no, don't wear a mask, to, hey, everybody has to wear a mask, to, you know what, it's not good enough, wear two. Good luck inhaling oxygen through two layers of this stuff. And hope you don't choke out on your own carbon dioxide poison. This man is making $500,000 a year. And that's why it's time to hold this guy accountable for the mistakes, the misinformation, and the crap that he continues to push as it pertains to COVID-19. And I haven't even gotten to the vaccines yet. 921, I welcome your calls at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. This is the authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 925 and 1420, the answer. Just very briefly, because I want to get a couple of calls here before the bottom of the hour. Um, I want to hit the other part of Biden, who says he has nothing, but he is also spouting about how I'm going to move heaven and earth to get 100 million people vaccinated in 100 days. He says this as he calls the Trump vaccine effort a dismal failure. So 100 million vaccinated in 100 days. Okay, so that's an average of what? One million a day. This is ambitious, we are told. This is, this is incredible, and it's going to take an amazing effort to get it done. But it's what he'll do. He'll move heaven and earth to vaccinate one million people per day. Here's the bad news. We're already vaccinating a million people a day, you incompetent boob. In the final seven days of the Trump administration... About 6.4 million vaccine doses have been given. That's more than 910,000 a day, or 91%. But what's more is that number is only so low because the weekend was 50% longer than usual. Of course, with uh, MLK Day, the weekday average was nearly 1.2 million per day. In fact, on Trump's last day in office, 1.6 million vaccines were administered. One and a half million. Compared to that, Biden is talking about slowing down the vaccinations by about 35% because he wants 100 million in 100 days. And this is just, it's simple math. Look at what's already happening, but instead of acknowledging that they're off to a great start and he wants to keep up that momentum, because that would actually give credit to Trump, he has to say, Trump did a terrible job distributing the vaccine. I'm going to do 100 million in 100 days, and I'm going to move heaven and earth to make that happen. It was already being done. Incompetent boob. Tom is in uh, Creston. Uh, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, Tom, go ahead. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Uh, calling in regards to the interview we had with uh, my congressman, Anthony Gonzalez, last week. Mm-hmm. I actually just found it online a couple of days ago, and I listened to it three times. Uh, I am one of those constituents that's uh, not only extremely angry, but done with Congressman Gonzalez. And uh, I've reached out to a number of uh, uh, the Wayne County Republicans, the state of Ohio Republicans, and have gotten nothing regarding any type of um, consequences for the congressman's ill-advised vote. Um, and uh, yet I see in Wyoming uh, there's an active uh, recall and, and an active uh, 
participant in primarying. Yeah. Uh, can 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 you help us out here with uh, why there doesn't seem to be any retribution for such an egregious act? Uh, and as I listen to your interview, first of all, I want to compliment you on how prepared you were, um, and and how ill prepared the congressman was. I don't know that he dodged questions, um, but he certainly didn't respond when you asked him. Uh, did he give any thought? to the consequences of his actions and and it sounded to me like his reply was i was angry i was angry because we were under siege and um did he did he contact congressman jordan his next door neighbor and perhaps seek some counsel before he made right his uh well uh, let me let me respond a little bit to this tom because i've got to get to our news here in a second thank you for the call keep listening because i'll say two things to you while you while you hang up uh, number one, as far as what can we do, uh, you know, how come Ohio isn't doing, uh, you know, and people in the 16th district aren't doing what they're doing out in Wyoming to Liz Cheney and others who are, you know, responsible for the same thing, the 10 Republicans who, who voted to impeach. Um, you're not going to like the answer, and neither will the Ohio Republican leadership. Uh, but the Ohio Republican Party is weak, okay? It's weak. Now, they're good at politics. They continue to win the General Assembly, and for the most part, they win the governor's uh, office, but um, they're weak. They just are. Uh, they're not, they're rhinos, they're establishment, and they don't support people like Donald Trump, so they're not going to do anything to censure or make a move to primary or whatever, uh, Anthony Gonzalez. So that's the first part. It's, it's a weak party, especially for a party that actually has control. That's number one. And then the second part is, you know, about how unprepared he was and why he didn't answer and, and, and so on and so forth and, uh, why he voted. He said he was angry. Uh, he wasn't angry, in my opinion. I think Anthony Gonzalez made a calculated move to try to stop himself from being canceled. Look at what big tech is doing and look what, look at what the media and big tech and Democrats are all calling for now. A reprogramming or deprogramming of conservative Trump supporters and a cancellation. If you are a supporter of Donald Trump, they don't want you to be employed. They want all your employers to know that you are a potential threat and a danger, especially if you're, uh, you know, a, a white male. And I know Anthony Gonzalez is, is Hispanic, but you get the point here. Uh, I think he was in CYA mode. I think his vote was a vote that said, hey, don't come for me. I didn't support Trump. I voted to impeach him. Now don't cancel me. And that's what I think it was. And I think that is shameful. Tony George, restaurateur, going to join us next on 1420 The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 937, now we continue, AM 1420, the answer. We're focused on COVID-19 and the impact of some of the ridiculous, terrible decisions in response to COVID-19. And now we're going to make things even worse. Uh, as if restaurants and other businesses have not suffered enough during the pandemic, now Joe Biden is embracing a $15, mil, a $15 minimum wage um, for all federal employees and is pushing all states to make $15 minimum wages the standard in their states. He signed an executive order on Friday that would increase food aid, protect job seekers on unemployment, and clear a path for federal workers and contractors to get $15 minimum as part of his coronavirus relief package. One Ohio restaurant owner, Adrian Adornetto, who owns three pizza restaurants, uh, said this is going to crush him. 
He said, I'm gonna, it's gonna, quote, it will do several things to my business and my employees. I'll most likely be cutting hours back. I'm in the pizza business, so that $12 pizza may grow to a, be a $19 pizza. And in my part of Ohio, that's very expensive. He said his business has already gone through tough obstacles amid the pandemic, and a minimum wage increase right now is unthinkable. But then again, Joe Biden is pretty good at doing things without thinking. He laid off 11,000 people who are working in the Keystone Pipeline, uh, XL Pipeline, on day one. So I reached out to a restaurateur that I know very well and uh, who's got some very strong opinions on what is being done to businesses in this state, Tony George, who is the uh, founder of the Harry Buffalo Restaurant Change, longtime Cleveland business businessman and restaurateur. Tony, good to have you. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, Bob. Follow up what the pizza owner I just quoted in that article had to say. He said, "Not he's you know you're, you're going to have to do one of two things, or maybe both things. You're going to have to either cut hours or lay off employees if you have to pay them all fifteen dollars an hour, or raise your prices uh, by a very steep number, which is going to then hurt business. Either way, you're going to be in trouble. Can you tell me how this would impact you?" Well, I agree with him. I agree with all three things. He's going to have to cut hours. He's going to cut employees. And he's going to have to raise prices. I mean, for every action, there's a reaction. And these politicians don't think about that. And everybody thinks these restaurateurs are making millions of dollars. They're not. They're barely making it. They're employing, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 employees. And they're barely making payroll. They're barely making ends meet at the end of the day. Through this pandemic, we've been suffering. All the restaurants have been suffering. Most of them are losing money right now. So, look. They want to go after these entry-level jobs. They're going to eliminate the entry-level jobs by implementing a $15 an hour rate per hour. It's a job killer. Businesses can't survive under normal conditions with this pandemic, let alone with this $15 an hour increase that they're proposing. Tony, uh, my wife and I went out to eat on Saturday night. It was No, it was Friday night, beg your pardon. I was trying to remember when the basketball game was. Um, and we noticed that there were a lot of cars in a lot of restaurant parking lots. Um, and, in fact, we called a couple of them, and there were waits. Now, that doesn't mean because they were jam-packed, they had every other table empty because of all of the restrictions, and every restaurant deals with it differently. But it looked like maybe things are starting to come back a little bit. Um, tell me how that has been for you uh, compared to where it was back in March when the first uh, lockdown started. Well, it's getting better. I mean, people are, they got to pen up demand right now. They want to go out. But like you said, we can only seat every other table. We have to do the social distancing. So we're still, even if we seated every other table, we're still not making money, Bob, because you still got the rent structure, the utilities, your electric, your gas bill, your payroll is going to be the same. You know, we um, so nothing's changed. I mean, it's a little bit better. We need to get through this pandemic. We need to not talk about stupid things like a $15 an hour increase to bring it to $15 an hour. That's not going to work for entry-level employees. For, you know, these are young people trying to get in and get, get through the summer jobs, or yeah, these are part-time jobs that we have for these people so they can get through college and all that stuff. You know, one thing I want to add, Janet Yellen, who is now the Treasury Secretary, when she was getting confirmed in 2010 to be the Fed chairman, she said the $15 an hour job would cost the U.S. 500,000 jobs. So this is 
somebody who Biden appointed right now as Treasury Secretary. Why don't you listen to somebody like that? Unless that's she a, changed her mind because she got the appointment, which you never know, that could happen too. That's a great point. Uh, we're talking to uh, Tony George, Cleveland uh, businessman, restaurateur, the owner and founder of the Harry Buffalo uh, chain as well. Tony, you, you said that, yeah, things are coming back slowly, and I get that, and, but you're right. You're, you're maybe, maybe barely able to meet all of your obligations. You're certainly not making any profits right now. Um, other owners in the industry that you talk to, um, are you aware of you know, how much longer they can hold out? Uh, are you aware of uh, a number of them who have already given up and closed their doors? Because I know that nation- nationally uh, that is happening at a very, very uh, dangerous rate. Well, I said this at the beginning, and my, I hate to say my prediction's been right. You're going to lose 50% of your restaurants by the time this is done in the next couple months. Hopefully it's done in the next couple months. They'll never reopen. They're already closed. And the ones that are surviving are limping along, and they put themselves in such deep debt that if we don't have a V-shaped recovery, probably 20% of those restaurants won't survive because they won't be able to pay the debt that they've accumulated to stay open till this point. So, you know, it gets to the point where, hey, look, I'm keeping my business open. I'm losing money every month. How long do I want to continue the bleeding? Um, for a lot of guys that are, are new in the business, they don't have the resources to continue the bleeding. They're all bled out. You know, the other guys that can survive have survived because they've been, you know, very smart about, you know, putting money aside for a rainy day fund, mm. which those rainy day funds are all gone right now. I can tell you that, Bob. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're 10 months into this thing, uh, almost 11 months into this thing, uh, in which restaurants particularly have been hit the hardest because they were told, hey, you're not essential. Uh, people can go and buy food at the grocery store and go home and cook, but you're not essential. And then, of course, as you pointed out, when they did say you could start seating people again inside the restaurant, it's only at 50% capacity if you're lucky. Tony, back to the minimum wage uh, part of this. Um, did you ever earn minimum wage when you were starting out as a young man? Well, sure. I, I started my career working in a bar and restaurant and then i ended up partnering in that bar and restaurant that's how i got my foot in the door okay so, that, know, that, i, I kind of figured that most people who who are successful in a business started out working in some capacity in that business um i, I know a ton of people like that the only reason i ask is you know the 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 democrat mantra is every job should be a, uh, should pay a living wage and and I worked so many minimum wage jobs, just like you did when I was a young man. Never should I have been making enough money to feed a family of four a quote-unquote living wage when I'm a family of one, I'm a young person, and the, the idea, of course, is to start out there, work hard, do better, get more money, get promotions, et cetera, et cetera, move to a different type of industry, but get experience there. Why? I, I just don't understand why it is so hard for them to realize that not every job is supposed to pay a living wage because not every job is being filled by somebody that's got to feed a family. Well, again, we're going back to the politicians, okay? Mm -hmm. It sounds good. It's a good soundbite for them politically. It's a good soundbite when they run for office. I'll give you an example. When they were talking about reducing, I don't want to mention the city, but, you know, I got restaurants in a bunch of cities around northeast Ohio. Well, one of the cities was talking about cutting the seating back to 50%, right? They wanted to enforce it as a city. So I got on a Zoom call. I waited a couple minutes until everybody talked, and I said, listen, I'm in favor of doing that. As long as all the council people in the mayor are willing to take a 50% pay cut, then I'm willing to reduce my seats 50% 
You know what happened? You could hear a mouse pissing on cotton, and guess what? They tabled the legislation. So if it affects them personally, they don't like the policy that's going out there right now, okay? So it doesn't affect them personally when they say give everybody $15 an hour, not at least for six, eight, nine months, a year later, when all of a sudden a pizza that costs 9 bucks is 18 bucks, then all of a sudden they go, oh, what happened? But they don't think things out. For every action, there's a reaction. This so is it, a system that's been based on this type of entry-level job for years and years and years and has given opportunity to millions of people, including myself, Bob. Right. I was mopping floors and cleaning a bar before I end up working my way up and owning the bar, okay? Yeah. And I when was, you were I mopping a floor, that. when you were mopping a floor and wiping a bar, just like any of the busters at, at, at Harry Buffalo right now or any of the servers or any of the cooks, the, no disrespect to them, obviously, as you point out, we all start there, but what they're, what you're asking them to do is not worth $15 an hour. And if you have to pay them $15 an hour, Tony, I'm going to make this personalized here for you now. What are you going to do? Are the prices going to go up on the menu at Harry Buffalo? Or are you going to slash uh, employees or hours? Or is it going to be all of the above, as we talked about previous? We're going to raise prices. We're going to cut staff. And nobody's going to be working overtime. Wow. We're not going to be able to pay overtime at that point. So yeah. everybody's going to be working you know, 32, 33 hours a week instead of 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And they forget, you get in at above 40, they get overtime. They get time and a half. They might automatically be above that $15 an hour threshold. That's a great point, too. That's a great point, too. Look, this so, is, look at mm-hmm. the end of the day, anybody that's listening, don't fall into the trap of listening to these politicians, okay? I, I Over the past year during this pandemic, I lost a lot of respect for a lot of these guys because they don't think properly. They're not thinking how this affects people that are struggling to make a living. They think all these businesses are multimillionaires. They're not. They're struggling to make a living, and they're employing these people to keep bread on the table. That's it. That is exactly right. This will hurt the very people that they're trying to help. Yeah, that that's the that's the part that I I get so frustrated over. You know what what's better? Is it better to make nine fifty an hour, or is it better to not have a job and make zero an hour? Because that's what's going to happen if they raise every minimum wage salary to fifteen dollars. Half of the people are going to lose their jobs, uh, and they, now you make zero dollars an hour. So that, it just makes no sense whatsoever. It does not help people. It will hurt people. So and then well, you, you of course, to, and then people won't be able to go out to eat either. We won't be able to afford. Sure. I've got a certain budget to go out to eat at a Harry Buffalo or wherever, and now that I see that my bill is not going to be $40, it's going to be 55 or $60 because of the increased menu prices, now I'm not coming. And guess who that hurts? Now that hurts you and all those other employees because right. I'm not coming. I can't afford to eat there. Yep, it's a business killer. It's a job killer. That's exactly what it is, and uh, and and he's and he's spouting this so cavalierly, like this is a great thing, talking about Biden with this minimum wage for Americans. Tony George, uh, Cleveland uh, businessman, longtime uh, restaurateur, always appreciate your perspective perspective on these things. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Bob. Uh, you got it. It's nine forty nine. We'll come back to your phone calls right after this on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
Okay, 9.53. I want to get as many phone calls as I can before the top of the hour because we've got uh, our good friend Peter Kirsten out waiting after the top. We'll go to LaGrange now. Kenny, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you, Ken? I'm doing fine, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I don't know if you remember about six or seven months ago in the Chronicle Telegram, uh, there was a professor who criticized my take on the carbon dioxide, inhaling carbon dioxide, and... This is a professor of chemistry at Oberlin College, and he said... <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bubble City. Uh, he, he stated that you, every time you take a drink of cola, you take in carbon dioxide. That's what makes it a carbonated beverage. What he didn't uh, elaborate on was when you wear a mask, you suck in a certain percentage of your carbon dioxide with every single breath. Your body was not designed to take in carbon dioxide. God made it to expel. If it exactly. was such a good, if it was such a good entity for your body, why are you getting rid of it with every breath? No, you're exactly right. And his, you know, that what a what a lame point that he tried to say. Well, you know, if carbon dioxide is so bad, don't drink carbonated drinks. Nobody is saying that you can't. I mean, it's like holding your breath. That's like saying never hold your breath because you are now forcing the carbon dioxide back into your lungs. Um, that's ridiculous. It's it's if it's a, an occasional thing, obviously, it's very different than as you say, strapping one of those things on your face, especially for employees who have to wear them at work for eight hours a day. Every breath that you take, as you said, you're trying to suck in oxygen, and instead of getting oxygen, you're getting your own exhaled CO2. It is absolutely poisonous for you, and to expect anything less or anything better from a, from an Oberlin professor, I guess, would be too much. Okay, uh, my second point, I'll make it real quick. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that the average Democrat voter who voted for Joe Biden believes that this guy is going to make it through his first year. Little Miss Cammie Harris is going to be pushing him out of the White House in a wheelchair by the end of the year. This guy's not going to make it. Um, you, you mean just because of his health? Yes. Okay. I was going to say it because he's doing everything he can to be Kamala Harris. He's doing everything <laughs> he can to be. I mean, seriously, look at all of these EOs, all of this green nonsense, all of the people he's yeah. laying off. All, I mean, you know, the trans uh, uh, in the military, uh, tra- getting rid of women's sports, saying men yeah. can play wherever they want to play as long as they identify that way. All of these things are the the Democrat, the progressive Democrats' wish list. And so he's making it, you know, I think he's making a play to stay, saying, look, I'll be a good boy. I won't go back to my moderate ways that I used to have. I will be as progressive as you want me to be. Just please let me stay stay president that's what i think he's doing well i don't think he's going to make it through the end of the year and i think the democrats know it and they've already got plan b in effect if i'm not mistaken if he has to step down or if he's removed under the 25th amendment she automatically gets elevated to the presidency and i believe she gets to appoint her vice president I believe you are correct. I know the first part is true. As far as the new vice president, I'm, I would have to double-check on that, but certainly she would be elevated. So Kenny, thank you, my be- friend. I appreciate the phone call. Let me go to uh, Akron next. And, Tom, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hi. Hey, Bob. How are you? Yes. I'm good, Tom. Thanks. Good to hear. Thanks for having me on. Um, I kind of got a mouthful, so I'll spit it out to you, and I'll take the answer off air if that's fine by you. Sure thing. Okay. Um does this put a ball in our court that they're having the impeachment uh, uh, trial with no evidence put forward by Congress as where to do their due diligence, the Senate would be able to call all kinds of uh, investigations into what went on leading up to the 
so-called insurrection, would they be able to actually use that to say part of it was Trump was saying a ton of lies, so now we have to investigate and see if the lies were lies and be able to look into what the courts would not look into on their own individual states by case through the um, the election fraud? Would they be able to actually look into that as the Senate um, to be able to actually look at all the notes, the affidavits, everything that Giuliani compiled and so on? And uh, that, that's the end of my question. I appreciate okay. your time. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the question and the phone call. Um, I see your point. It could be seen as advantageous in that regard. It's like, okay, you are trying to impeach him for inciting an insurrection by telling lies. Now you have to prove that he was lying. And that means you have to prove there was no fraud. You have to prove that it wasn't stolen. And once you have to, once you try to prove that, now we can respond with in all of the evidence that we have that, that does prove fraud. So I see your point. I do. I don't think it'll go that deep though. I think they're just going to say very simply that 50, 60, 70, or whatever it is, number of court challenges that the Trump team tried to push, and his attorneys tried to push into the courts, were rejected by the courts. Now, you know and I know, because we're paying attention, that doesn't mean there was no evidence. It just meant that they didn't have standing in 90% of those cases to even present the evidence so the courts wouldn't hear them. But the way they're spinning it is the evidence is clear, the election was on the up and up. It was the most secure election we've ever had. Even Attorney General William Barr said, we looked into it. There's no evidence of widespread fraud. So uh, clearly Trump was lying. I don't think they're going to go into all of the the specific in-depth cases. And so therefore, I don't think they're going to allow the Trump team uh, to present evidence otherwise. Having said all that, um, it doesn't really matter because they're not going to convict them anyway. There's no way they're going to get 17 Republicans. You're going to get the Romney. You're going to get uh, maybe even uh, you know Portman, since he's on his way out. I wondered if he didn't announce his uh, decision yesterday not to run for election. I wonder if that was preemptive, because he knows he's going to get hammered when he votes to impeach. I don't know that he's doing that. That's a total suspicion or, or a guess on my part. But um, you're going to get a few, but not nearly enough to, to convict him anyway. So it's, this is all a show anyway. Let's go to uh, to Donna in Cleveland before the top of the hour. Hi, Donna. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, I just have a quick question, and then I'll let you answer. But I was listening to your last segment with the uh, gentleman from um, uh, the uh, Buffalo Wings, um, the owner. Harry, Harry Buffalo. My, Harry Buffalo. Yes, yes, yes. And my, my question is this. With the minimum wage uh, being increased and being a job killer, do you also think with all the illegals that are being let in now that these small businesses are going to be forced to – uh, probably hire a lot of them under the table, not pay them minimum wage, which is going to be even more of a job killer. It's just a question, and I'll I'll let you answer now. Well, yeah, you, you it's a question that you already answered. You're right. It's a job killer because that is exactly what will happen. It's already been happening. I mean, they did that with the minimum wage being eight seventy five or nine twenty or whatever it's been. Uh, you know, illegal aliens come in here. They know they don't have papers. They're not legal to work, so they work for uh, cash under the table. And yes, it takes jobs away from American citizens now. Uh, especially with it being $15 an hour and owners trying desperately to save money, if that's the way it goes, uh, yeah, the owners are going to be even more inclined to roll the dice and hire illegals under the table and hope that they don't get popped. And, yes, that will cost more Americans their jobs. So, yeah, you asked the question, but you knew the answer already, Donna, and I'm glad you brought it up because we can say it out loud. This is another attack on the American worker by the Biden administration, which is only now, what, six days? Well, today's the seventh day, seven days old. All right, let's get a timeout for news. Peter Kersenow joins us next.